don't care who listening and who not listening. About a little pacer pod. All right, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. Coming in on a Sunday evening for this recording. Um, the NBA free agency is basically all, um, all put away. I think by now, and the teams are pretty much. Set. It looks like the Pacers roster is pretty much set for the next year. Lots of change. Um, lots of lots of new guys to um, learn about, and um, I guess I'll just you know basically kind of talk about that. You know, um, I I think the Pacers had a really good off season. I'm really really excited for next year's team. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned just briefly, uh, the last time I recorded, which was for the boom babies, I mentioned that Malcolm Brogdon was signed by the Pacers and then also, um, TJ Warren. Well, the Pacers also, um, signed Jeremy Lamb and, uh, TJ McConnell and Justin Holiday. And then obviously drafted Goga Vitatse. Um, so there's even actually even some other guys that um, are, are going to be probably more like on the D League team. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of new faces for the Pacers. So um, on this episode, I'm going to talk about the some of the new guys, the ones I haven't covered yet. So um, I'm going to do Brogdon. Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, and then Justin Holiday, uh, the newest Pacers. Um, but yeah, so you know, kind of when whenever I, when I think about free agency, obviously I'm excited about the guys that um, that Kevin Pritchard and Herb Simon, the owner, were able to to uh, get under contract. Um, I was shocked. You, you know, that, that the Pacers didn't bring back any of the guys from last year's team. So, like, farewell to, to Bogdanovich and Thad Young and Corey Joseph, Darren Collison. Um, you know, those guys were there for, I think, all four of those guys for the, for the past two seasons. Um, special, special group of guys. They were really fun to root for. I hope that the, that the new guys... Um, can fill the shoes of guys like Thad and Bogey. Um, it'll just be different. But I think that the, you know, the the guys that the Pacers brought in this offseason, they all have the same window. Um, most of the, the core of this team is in that 25 to 27 year um, years of age. And then obviously, like the Pacers have some, they've got a, a quite a bit of guys that are even younger than that, with Turner and Sabonis being the main two. Um, but bringing in Brogdon, who is like 26, 
basically the same age, same age as Victor, and the same with Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren. Um, those guys are all about 25, 26, 27 years old, right in that sweet spot um, where, you know, uh, most people think that's when NBA players hit their prime, usually around 26, 27, uh, because you still have that explosiveness. Normally, you haven't lost too much of your athleticism, um, but you have five, six years of experience in the league. Um, you're obviously good enough to stick around in the league. Uh, so really, the Pacers, the majority of their team are are right there in that sweet spot. Um, so I just think that they did a really good job. Like, I don't regret... Like, I, I don't really regret that the Pacers weren't able to bring back anybody. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay that, you know, Bogdanovich... Basically, um, Brogdon is going to get paid basically what Bogdanovich got. So we got Brogdon rather than Bogey. And to me, that's just a, uh, a huge ups, uh, a huge, huge advantage. Um, I think Brogdon is just a way better player than, than Bogdanovich. And I think Brogdon, which, you know, I, this, he's, he's the guy that I, I think he could have a really, really, really breakout season for the Pacers. Like I could see him being a, a first time all-star. Um, I could see Brogdon, you know, depict, like the, I see a way that the Pacers do really well this year. Brogdon personally does really well this year. And, um, you know, he might be a candidate for most improved player. But anyways, I'll get to Brogdon a little bit later. Um, I just think that that the Pacers had a really good offseason. I'm really happy with the draft. I love Goga, and I'm really happy with free agency. Um, and it's like farewell to the, to the guys from last year. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about this new Pacers team. And, you know, what, what are reasonable expectations for next year? Like, Part of me thinks that this team has a chance to be um, one of the, the actually, I do believe this. I mean, I think that you have to look at a team like Milwaukee or um, even Philadelphia preseason and say, well, they're, they're a step ahead of the Pacers and maybe even a team like the Celtics. Sure. And, and especially when the Pacers don't have Oladipo. But I still think that the Pacers are going to be really good next year, even... Um, even before Oladipo comes back, and um, but at the same time, it's a lot of it's a new team, so uh, they have to figure out a new way to play. They're, this team will look quite a bit different than the way last year's team did, and maybe because well, I actually I'm thinking that this is something that um, uh, Kevin Pritchard, who's the general manager, and then also Nate McMillan, the head coach, talked about after um, the loss, the last loss of the season in the playoffs to Boston, or, or I, may, I forget exactly what interview this was, but they were talking about this next year's team going in, going into the draft and stuff and what they were going to do. And they were wanting to get faster. Um, they wanted to play a quicker pace. And I think that they, you know, they brought in guys like Lamb and TJ Warren and Justin Holiday, who I'm going to talk about later on in the show, but both, all of those guys can just get buckets. And that's something that the Pacers just didn't have last year. Um, another thing that I noticed, kind of like just generally speaking, the, the team should be a lot big. The team's going to be a lot bigger next year. Um, 
Well, I mean, I guess it's more just like their athleticism. I, I don't know about like actual height. I mean, no Darren Collison, no Corey Joseph. Both those guys are kind of, sm well, at least Darren Collison, I know is small. Um, bringing in, I guess we brought in TJ McConnell, who's pretty small. But anyways, it just it just feels like this team is well. They're younger, they're more athletic, and um, I'm just excited about the team. Uh, and then oh, the other thing too that I'm thinking about with with a lot of these new guys is there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of guys on the Pacers next year that have something to prove. Um, when you look at uh, Jeremy Lamb, for example, who like. He, he's, he's coming from Charlotte. He's, he hasn't really been on a great team yet, or not even really a good team. And this and now that he's with the Pacers, they're expected to win. And so I think Jeremy Lamb feels like he's, at a, he's probably at a point in his career. He just signed a, a contract with the Pacers. Um, he's 26 or 27, and, you know, he's probably like, this is my chance to to make my mark on, on and be on a good team. Um, and uh, I think the same thing with TJ Warren. He's been on trash teams in Phoenix, and now he's going to have a chance to play meaningful basketball. And so it's like he's going to – both TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb are, are – this is kind of like a career-defining year for both of them, I think, like because they're both – everybody – I think they have a lot of respect around the league as, as both of them having talent. Um, they've got a lot of talent, um, but how are they going to fit on this Pacers team? Like they're going to, to me, both of those guys are going to have to do something more than just score the basketball. And that's the same thing I'm thinking with Goga, um, and Justin Holiday, uh, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, these new guys that are going to play minutes for the Pacers. It's going to be, how can you affect the game without just scoring the ball? Because that's what they're all best at, especially you know, TJ Warren is a straight up assassin uh, getting buckets and Jeremy Lamb. That's definitely his, the strongest part of his game is getting buckets. Uh, you could say the same thing about Justin holiday. Um, and Goga, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the one guy you can't say that about would be Brogdon. One of the new guys, you know, the new point guard for the Pacers. Cause um, Brogdon affects the game in so many different ways and uh, but I'm gonna get into Brogdon here and he's gonna be the first player I break down uh, so I will uh, share my affection for for Malcolm Brogdon here in just a minute but I think uh, you know just also wanted to take a second and uh, Kevin Pritchard and the owner I think they did a really good job this offseason um, a lot a lot of times people or fans will complain about like, uh, we should have got this player or uh, why did they ever, like they, we should have brought back bogey, whatever. You can say whatever you want. Um, and ultimately it's, it's up to the season to, to, to be the judge of if, it, if they, if these off season moves were good, was it, was it a dumb decision to draft another center when you already have two centers, you know, um, people can question everything and then ultimately the season will will prove what was good and and and, and what was dumb uh but as of right now i think that 
my only concern with the construction of the roster going into next year is, um, to me, it feels like the Pacers have so many guys who are going to be uh, hungry. So on one hand, that's good because I think that it's going to be a very competitive uh, environment. I think it's going to be a lot of like a lot of young guys in positions to challenge old guys uh, or old or new guys. Basically, like I, I'm just really curious to see how the minutes get distributed and, and more importantly, probably than the minutes, the shots. Um, to me, if the Pacers can uh, be in harmony with so many scores not getting to score as much, if they can find peace with that um, and and people like PJ Warren is like, all right, you know what, I'm cool. Like maybe one, maybe some nights I'll get 20 uh, and same with Jeremy Lamb. To me, those two, two, two players are very similar um, for the Pacers next season. Actually, like we know when Oladipo is out to start the season, it's probably going to be Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren starting. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see once it comes back. Uh, to me, it's like, well, who who's played better so far? Like, is Jeremy Lamb uh, playing better than TJ Warren or vice versa? And to me, that's you probably give Warren the advantage because he plays the small forward position more naturally. But... If Jeremy Lamb's just balling next year and say TJ Warren's like not really doing anything besides just sometimes scoring mid-range, hitting mid-range jumpers and having a nice little little game. Um, like maybe maybe Jeremy Lamb starts when Oladipo comes back because really we the Pacers could go that way. So to me, that's that's gonna be our fifth starter slash sixth man is gonna come from that Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren position. Unless Gogai ends up being a beast and maybe he turns into that six man. I don't know. That would be amazing. Um, so I just I just kind of say that I think that the Pacers are in a really good position for next year. Um, and a very, 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 very good position for the year following. Now, that's the year that I think this whole thing comes to a crescendo um, and the Pacers give it, give it all they got and try to get that championship. This next season though, um, it's about reestablishing an identity and what's their identity going to be? Because last year's team was the identity was the deep on the defensive end. Right. And they were second in the, in the league in points allowed per game. They were just a feisty team, um, and a lot of that feistiness came from guys like Thad Young, Bojan Bogdanovic, Corey Joseph, um, Wesley Matthews. Those guys aren't aren't here anymore. So this team is going to have to reestablish an identity, um, and they're going to have to do it without Victor Oladipo to start the season, which is going to be tough. But that's why that I mean that's why having Malcolm Brogdon is going to be so so critical, I think, for the Pacers to start the season without Vic, uh, because I think Brogdon is the perfect, um, he is the perfect, like, leader uh, in a situation where your best player isn't there. Like, Brogdon will be the best player to start the season, I believe, um, 
I think that they were going to run the offense through Bro- a lot of the offense through Brogdon with basically just having the ball in his hands, you know, he's going to be the one making it go. And well, I'm just going to get right into it here in, into Brogdon. Um, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with the Pacers. Um, but yeah, so let, let's uh, take a look at Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon is, has been a player that I thought the Pacers, I was like, man, I would love to have the Pacers get Malcolm Brogdon. I can't believe that it actually uh, happened. Um, it's crazy. It's like you, you know, you can just kind of speak it into existence sometimes. So anyways, the Pacers, the Pacers got their hands on Brogdon. So four years, $85 million Eighty-five million. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. He was on the Milwaukee Bucks last season, who the Milwaukee had the best record in the league. So he was on a team that won a lot of games. Um, Brogdon had a fifty forty ninety season, which means he shot fifty percent from the field, forty percent from the three point line, and ninety percent from the free throw line. This was last season. Um, he's one of eight players in NBA history to accomplish that. And I'm going to read the list here because he is in extremely, extremely high, um, ranking with some of the best shooters the game's ever seen. And here's the list. Eight guys who have recorded 50, 40, 90 seasons. Larry Bird, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Steve Nash, Reggie Miller, Dirk Nowitzki, Mark Price, and Malcolm Brogdon. So that was the season. That's that was the season that Brogdon had. So fish, and he was also on a team with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who won MVP. Um, he was like I mentioned on the number one team in the East. The thing that sucked last year for Brogdon was he had an injury that hit him. Um, I'm gonna guess. I don't have it in front of me, but probably like. I don't know, maybe March, like he missed probably the last month of the season and missed some of the playoffs, but ended up being able to come back in the second round of the playoffs. Um, and he played big minutes for the for the uh, Bucks in the playoffs against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but so so Brogdon, he kind of kind of talking in circles there a little bit, but he to me i think he is a he's going to be a great fit for the pacers his game is uh exactly what the pacers would need from their point guard because we have guys like oladipo is going to take a lot of shots turner is going to want to take shots Sabonis is going to want to take shots um either tj warren or jeremy lamb both actually both guys are going to want to take shots and brogdon is a guy who obviously shoots the ball very efficiently and should take a lot of shots, but he's that's not the kind of point guard that he is. He's looking to um, set other guys up, and sometimes that's because maybe he'll be a little bit more aggressive um, on offense, like shooting the ball so that it creates more space for other players, but that's the thing that he talked about in his introductory press conference was that, you know, he uh, he's going to just be, a, his, his, he said that his best asset is his basketball IQ and his ability to um uh what would what would be the word kind of like shape the game in like different ways 
not just by scoring the ball. Um, so yeah, he, he had a really good season last year, averaged 15 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists. Like I said, 50, 50% from the field, 42% from the three point line and 93% from the free throw line last year. Um, when Kevin Pritchard introduced Malcolm Brogdon at the press conference, he said, uh, this is an epic day in franchise history. And I, I, I looked and a lot of, a lot of people are saying that this is the, the biggest, uh, or the most important free agent signing that the Pacers have ever had. Um, and I just think it's the perfect fit for this team. I think Brogdon and Oladipo, um, you know, being in the backcourt together, uh, cause both, both guys can bring the ball to court. Both guys can play off ball. Um, just having Brogdon being such a good shooter and same with TJ Warren, the Pacers just brought in, um, just, we're just going to have so many weapons offensively guys that can get buckets. Um, where that's where we struggled sometimes last year when you have a guy like Thad Young who you just aren't going to be able to get a whole lot of fluidity fluidity in your offensive game from him. Um, anyways, uh, one of the things that I was wondering about, you know, Brogdon was uh, he how's he going to feel being being in, in in Indiana? You know, like he was having such good success with with the Bucks, he was. Uh, with the the Greek freak, who's who's obviously um, he was voted the best player in the league last year. Um, I wondered how Brogdon felt coming to Indiana, and he made it pretty clear in his press conference that you know this is a great opportunity for him, and and he said that he already feels very valued. Um, I think knowing what the Pacers uh, did to get him, um, which basically. Now, I'm not going to get into the details too much because I'm, I'm not, it's, it's kind of like the business side of basketball, which I'm not great at, but um, essentially like the Herb Simon, the owner of the Pacers called the owner of the Bucks and said, you know, we want to sign Malcolm Brogdon, but uh, we don't, we're not, what we're not going to do is give you like a, a toxic offer. So Brogdon was a restricted free agent, meaning that teams could offer him a contract, but the Bucks could ultimately um, match whatever contract gets tossed it, tossed towards Brogdon. So rather than the Pacers, um, you know, offering Brogdon the money and hoping that Milwaukee would just let him go because Milwaukee was in a tough situation because they had already signed a lot of their players and, and they didn't really have the money for Brogdon. So... The Pacers owner traded um, two second round picks and one first round pick to Milwaukee at, for the rights, basically, to sign Brogdon. Um, but anyways, just by doing that, you know, it showed, it proves to Malcolm that, like, the Pacers are serious about him and, and the fit that he is. That's something that you could just tell listening to Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan was just like, dude, they are really excited about Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> And I am too. I mean, he, so just to get into, you know, Malcolm as a player, I mentioned he was one of eight of that 50, 40, 90. Well, he's a point guard who has great size, six foot five. Uh, let's see. He was born, he'll turn 27 in December this year. So he's 26 years old. 
he played four years in college. I think, I believe, he, yeah, actually, I know this. It's He played at Virginia. Virginia had a really good team. Uh, so Brogdon ended up getting drafted. I think he went through, at least, I, I know he was in college for a while because this is going to be his fourth season in the league, and he's already 26. So that mean he's, he means he was probably 22 or 23 when he came into the into the league. Basketball Reference has a couple nicknames for him. It'll be interesting interesting to see what sticks, you know, like what do uh, Chris and Jeremiah and Quinn, what do they start calling Brogdon? But Basketball Reference has, has his nicknames of Humble Moses, the president, uh, maybe, and Uncle Malcolm. Yeah. I don't really love any of them. I have a hard time thinking that I would call him either of those three names. But right now, maybe I'll just call him Brogdon uh, until see, and maybe, or maybe something else will stick. But uh, he's got great size, if I didn't mention that, six foot five. He's one of the most cerebral players out there on the court, uh, according to um, the coaches and according to his own um, description of his, of his skills. He is an extremely efficient scorer. Uh, he has a lot of he he's a very versatile player, meaning that he's a guy that kind of does a little bit of everything. He's he plays really 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 good defense, and he's also a really really good offensive player. Uh, something that like Darren Collison, for example, last year was not. He all he was was an offensive player. Well, Brogdon is every bit as strong on the offensive end as Collison, but uh, greatly better on the defensive end. And then so just I I love the idea of Brogdon. And Oladipo, who in his own right, you know, was an all-defensive player in the NBA. And Brogdon being able to just really harass opposing backcourts. And that's the other thing, too, about Brogdon is on nights that, you know, like maybe we're going up against Miami, who who signed Jimmy Butler this offseason. And Jimmy Butler is kind of a problem on Oladipo. Well, we can just put... Malcolm Brogdon on on uh, Jimmy Butler and and let Oladipo guard the the weaker of the guards. So Brogdon's probably going to take the the t- the toughest assignment every night on the defensive end. Um, which you know that's going to be great. It's going to save Oladipo, um, and it's just that's just what Brogdon does. He's just really the uh, going to be a great fit. He does like obviously he can shoot the three pointer. Um, play makes really well. He's, I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. Like I was watching some highlights. He, he's, he can get up and rattle the rim. Um, to me, I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe he's kind of like the, the, his ability to affect the game in so many different ways is kind of like the new, he'll be this, this version of the Pacers. He'll be their Thad Young from last year. I, I see Brogdon as kind of being the player who sets the tone, um, on the, on the defensive end, and then hopefully also on the offensive end for the Pacers, especially starting the season before Vic comes back. And um, he's also just a really good dude. So he was talking about these charities that he's involved in, about how you know he he does all of this um, so that he can give back to poor communities and um, like uh, it's. He's it's it's specifically in Africa that he uh, does his uh, I guess would you call it philanthropy, um, 
but he's really, you know, he's into a lot of charities and, and he does his own, his own stuff. He seems really legit. I sound dumb talking about it, but, um, yeah, so that's something that's really cool about, uh, Malcolm. Another good thing, he's, he, I mentioned he's six foot five, but he has a six foot 10 wingspan, meaning that his arms are, uh, longer than, than average and which makes him, uh, just that much more, you know, uh, tenacious on the defensive end. So both him and Oladipo have great, great, uh, wingspan widths and they're both athletic guards. I didn't, they can just really put pressure on, um, other, other teams guards. I'm so, and then you got Miles Turner, uh, on, you know, protecting the rim. If we can get TJ Warren to buy in on defense, um, because that's one thing that Bogey did. Bogey wasn't great at defense, but he definitely tried at defense. So that's going to have to be the minimum uh, for TJ Warren next year. Uh, back to Malcolm. Another thing that he, you know, I think is going to be great is just the fit that he has with Nate McMillan. During the press conference, uh, Nate was saying that like when he found out that they got Brogdon, he said, I think I just started screaming. And uh, Kevin Pritchard was like, yeah, you did. Uh, everyone was just really, really excited to get Brogdon and especially Coach McMillan because McMillan's a coach that's looking for character, um, uh, a player that's willing to sacrifice. He's looking for someone who's committed on the defensive end, someone who fits their, their 3T culture, right? Togetherness, trust, and toughness. And that's exactly what Brogdon is. He he epitomizes that for the Pacers. And Coach McMillan got his point guard. You know, that's basically the type of player that Nate McMillan was when he played for the Sonics. He was an oversized two guard or point guard, maybe. Um, I remember looking these stats up when I first started doing this podcast like a year ago. But I remember I was surprised with Nate, uh, Nate McMillan's career. He was... I think he was all defensive team quite a few times, like tons of steals. And uh, I think he averaged quite a bit of assists as well, too. But So it's good. Coach McMillan got his point guard. Brogdon got his coach. And uh, the Pacers are set, man. I think, I think that they're really, really, really going to be in a position to have a, uh, a strong season. Um, what else about Brogdon? Um, you know, he did, he did mention in this press conference that, you know, Vic is the leader of this team and his role is going to be to come in and just support Victor. And I think that was just, uh, I, I, to me, that's just perfect because I think Victor can lead a team to a championship. And I, it's funny, I actually talked about this. I, I'm remembering I, I brought this up in one of like a previous podcast where it's like, is Oladipo good enough to lead a team to a championship? That's the question. And I, my answer, and this is kind of a testament to that potentially being true. My answer is not, he is, he, Victor is good enough to lead a team to a championship. And it's not just, but it's not just his ability to affect the game uh, with the basketball in his hands. It's his ability to be a leader of a, a team of um, guys. And that's exactly what the Pacers are assembling. We're, we're not assembling a team 
that has a dominant player and then another a second dominant player and then like three guys whose job is just to to feed um the best players what we're building is a team that has like kind of like how Atlanta Hawks the Atlanta Hawks were uh a couple of years ago like four all-stars like I could see this team maybe next season not next season but the prior season or the, the following season so like 20 2020-2021 I could see the year that Pacers have Old Depot as an all-star Miles Turner as an all-star Malcolm Brogdon as an all-star and DeMontis Sabonis as an all-star four all-stars on the same team and that's how the Pacers are going to win a championship. It's going to be by balance. It's going to be by um, chemistry. It's going to be by sacrifice and um, the three T's, togetherness, trust, and toughness. Those three things. And, and Victor embodies that as the leader. And so to hear, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, who's coming in, he just got signed to, you know, $85 million contract and just right off the bat say, this is Victor's team. Uh, my position is to come in and basically support Victor. He can have the ball as much as he wants, but he will know that when he doesn't want the ball, that I'll be taking care of it. And he wants to he wants to support a, a leader like Victor Oladipo. He mentioned that too, mentioned that, you know, Vil Vic is not just a leader, he's a selfless leader. So... I don't know, man. It just feels like these the ingredients are are there for this thing to to bake and for this team to do something special. And it's crazy because nobody nobody really sees it like this. Um, at least not for sure in the national media. Like nobody even mentions the Pacers as a um, a threat. Really, I, I think that because and and it's fine. Like. They have not won a playoff series um, in a long time. So th this, this, this Oladipo-led Pacers era uh, still has not provided a, uh, a playoff series win yet. So it is, it is kind of foolish to speak of this team as championship contenders when they haven't won a playoff series. Um, but they've overachieved the past two seasons. And I think that's because of the culture that they have and the guys that they have in, in, in it. And it just feels like they've got, they've got something good going on. And Brogdon's the perfect fit for, for this team. Uh, so what else about Brogdon? I think he's going to lead the team to start the season with Nola Depot. I would, I would expect him to be the player who uh, makes most of the plays. Hopefully he does a good job at it, and we're talking about Brogdon being an all-star. Um, one of the things about Brogdon, it, too, is that the Pacers are actually going to need him to to bring it more than he had to do in, in Milwaukee. Because in Milwaukee, they had a lot of guys, um, well, specifically Giannis and, and Chris Middleton, who were both kind of hired up on the pecking order. Um And I mentioned this, but I'll say it again. I think that Brogdon could be an all-star next season. 
So that's on my all-star watch. I've mentioned basically the entire Pacers team. <laughs> Except, no, 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 not really. I've been, I mean, I've been fair, I think. I, I've said four guys tonight, right? Sabonis, Turner, Oladipo, and Brogdon. And then I did mention that I thought Goga could be an all-star without seeing him play a minute of basketball. It's just because I want to believe I want to believe it that much. But I do think that that could be his his ceiling. I'm not saying he is going to be an all-star, but I I think that the ceiling on Goga would be would be all-star. Not uh, he's somebody that he, I I I think he could come in and really surprise people. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping for. So with Brogdon, perfect signing, and I think he could he could be one of those guys that's like. Is this my favorite player on the team? I think he's a he's a he's a potential boom baby uh, recipient next year. Just just off the bat, I'm excited to root for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, that's for sure. All right, I am gonna keep on moving here. On to Jeremy Lamb. So Jeremy Lamb is a six foot five shooting guard. He played at the University of Connecticut. Back in like, well, he did two seasons with UConn, 2010 or 11 and 2012. He won a NCAA championship with Kemba Walker in the backcourt. Jeremy Lamb was the two guard. It was the year that UConn uh, made that crazy run. I don't even think they were going to make the tournament, but they won the Big East uh, tournament, which guaranteed them a spot in the NCAA. And then they won, obviously, all the games in the tournament. And so that's pretty cool about Jeremy Lamb. He's, he's got an NCAA championship. He was the 12th pick in the 2012 NBA draft, so a lottery pick. Um, and why was he a lottery pick? Well, he was he's a silky, silky basketball player. Jeremy Lamb, with, he's 6'5", six 6'11", six wingspan. He is a... He's just kind of like an assassin with the basketball when it comes to getting off a shot. He is with his size and he just has good pace about him when he's got the basketball in his hands. Like he's just able to kind of like lull the defenders to sleep or shift them off balance just enough where he can um, get off a good look at a shot. Um, to me, that's what I think of when I think of Jeremy Lamb. It's just like silky smooth. He's a great free throw shooter. Um, he's a good rebounder, really, from the guard spot. He had, I was looking at his stats from last season. So last season, he played at Charlotte. And Charlotte was, they did not make the playoffs, but I think they were the ninth seed in the East. So they were right on the cusp of making the playoffs. Um, but Jeremy Lamb was basically the second option uh, for Charlotte last year behind Kimball Walker. Funny, right? So his old college teammate, they were... They shared a backcourt in the NBA together as well last year. I did not do that great. Well, Kimba had a good season, and I guess Lamb did too, but the, the, the Hornets just didn't win that many games. Uh, but thing about thing about uh, Jeremy Lamb is he had seven games last year where he had 10 or more rebounds. So he crashes the glass from the guard position. Um, on the negative, he's not that great of a three-point shooter. So he's okay, and he's definitely getting better. Uh, that was one thing I noticed from Jeremy Lamb when I was looking at his stats. 
uh, year after year, he keeps getting better each and every season. Um, and, but another thing, like, so not only can he not shoot threes that well, uh, but not great at, his assist numbers are really low. Um, he does also not turn the ball over much, which is a good thing. Uh, but he is not really proven himself to, to make other players around him better in the way that you'd like to think of a, a guy that has a lot of assists. Uh, but whatever, like, you need guys that can just get hoops, and that's what Jeremy Lamb brings to the Pacers. And, and I think he, you know, he's another one, of the, he's a guy, so he just turned 27, all right? Um, so right there in his prime, he's been on, he was started out at OKC, then he went to um, Charlotte, and now being on the Pacers, this is the first team uh, that's going to take him, you know, to the playoffs. And he's not going to have quite as big of a role, I don't think, with the Pacers this year as he did with Charlotte. But um, what can Jeremy Lamb turn into? Can With that 6'11 wingspan and his athleticism, you would think that he could become a, a plus defender. And if he started locking down on defense, that's the thing. If this Pacers team, if their new identity it, it still involves defense, then... Um, I think we're in for a great, great couple years, but, uh, what else about Jeremy Lamb? What did he do last year? So last year, like with the Hornets, he started in 55 for 55 games. And then it looks like at the end of the, towards the end of the season, he actually moved to the bench. Um, and they started, uh, Miles Bridges, who was their rookie. And I don't understand that either. Cause I thought Charlotte was trying to go to, the, I mean, trying to, I think they were still trying to win games. Um, so I'm not exactly sure why Jeremy Lamb lost his starting spot last year, but he still had a, the best season of his career. He averaged 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal. He had uh, 20 points or more in 18 of the games last season. So he had a really good game, too, against the Pacers last year. Um, but he's just a guy who gets who gets buckets. He's got great size. Uh, one of the things that people say well, when I was looking up Jeremy Lamb stuff is like, it's like, dude, the dude looks like he's tired all the time. And yeah, you know, he kind of does look like he's tired a lot, but he's also really chill. Um, and I'm excited about Jeremy Lamb. So I don't, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits on the Pacers team. What, what is it, what's it going to be like with Jeremy Lamb on, on, the, on the squad? I think he's going to hold down the starting spot until until Vic comes and takes it back. So uh, that'll be nice for Jeremy. Hopefully that gives him some confidence, him and TJ, really, both being in the starting lineup. Uh, hopefully Vic comes back and he um, shows that he's good enough and to uh, earn the starting spot back. And, and then you have uh, Jeremy finish off the season kind of in a six-man role. And I think in a six-man role, I would I would, I love the idea of having either TJ Warren or Jeremy Lamb as a six man, because uh, that's it's kind of like uh, you know Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford, uh, those guys that come in off the bench and just get you points, kind of like what Sabonis did for us last year even, but from the guard guard spot. Um, and then my last thing to kind of look out for with with Jeremy is how good of a defender can he be? Can he step it up defensively? With the help of you know Dan Burke and Nate McMillan's system, actually I guess it'd probably be Dan Burke's system. He's the defensive coach. Um, 
yeah, how, how good of a def- defensive player can Jeremy Lamb uh, be for the Pacers next season? I think that'll tell a lot uh, about the season for us. Um, I got two more guys I'm going to do here. Uh, we've got TJ McConnell and um, Justin Holiday. So let's do Justin Holiday first because I'm a little bit more, I'm excited actually about both of these guys. Uh, but Justin Holiday, and both both Justin and TJ McConnell have have uh, have interesting background stories. So whereas TJ Warren and and uh, Jeremy Lamb, those guys were lottery picks. We have a lot of lottery picks actually on this Pacers team. A lot of guys in that 11 to 12, 13 range. But uh, so Justin Holiday um, had a very opposite um, experience entering into the NBA league, where he he came. Um, undrafted. He spent the first season. Well, first let me let me go even further back. So, Justin Holiday is the oldest of the Holiday brothers. So yes, we now have brothers on the Pacers. The oldest brother, Justin, is uh, he just turned thirty in April. All right, and then Aaron, who's been who was on the Pacers last year, he was the Pacers rookie last year is like 23, and he's the youngest Holiday brother. Well, they also have a guy, a middle brother, Drew, who's, who's had the best career so far, who plays down in New Orleans. Um, but the Pacers signed Justin Holiday, the oldest brother, the largest brother. Justin's six foot six. He's got a slender frame, um, but he is a long six six. Uh, he is a, a, a pretty good defender, really. He kind of gets after it defensively. Um, but back to the beginning with Justin. So Justin, you know, was the oldest brother of the, of the, of the, in the holiday bunch. And he goes and plays basketball at the University of Washington. And he hardly gets any minutes his freshman year. Kind of the same thing as sophomore year. He gets more minutes, but he's not even uh, like, doesn't really seem like he's a starter, at least looking at his stats. And then like his junior year, uh, he started to get him pretty good. And then his senior year, so he played all four years at, at Washington. He elevated his game um, to be the Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year. And he averaged like 12 points. So not a great score. Um, but he went from a guy, it wasn't like he came in as a freshman and immediately started, like you'd think of an NBA player. He, he came in and worked his way all the way up, all four seasons. Nothing was really given to him. And he ended up winning a really uh, good award, award, you know, Defensive Player of the Year for the Pac-10. That's uh, pretty solid. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough to get him drafted in the NBA. So he spends his first season outside of college playing in Belgium. So he's playing overseas for one season. I don't know how he does. Must do pretty good. He does well enough that the next season, the Cleveland Cavaliers invite him to be part of their summer league team, which we just had summer league. Uh, what was it, like a week or two ago, and I'll talk a little bit about the Pacers Summer League before I wrap this up. But so Justin Holiday went to Summer League with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they end up cutting him in October. He gets picked up by the Portland Trailblazers, but then they still cut him before uh, the uh, season starts. So he ends up playing in the G League and at the end of this season, signs with the Philadelphia 76ers. 
right as they begin to start tanking. So um, they, the, Philly was the first team, they called it the process, where they just basically intentionally lost games for three years in a row so that they could accumulate these high draft picks. And they ended up getting you know, some really good players from it, and they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference now. So I guess you could say that it worked, but it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's lame. They only won 47 games for three years. So that's like three years worth of just 15 wins a season. Um, I, for one, am glad that the Pacers, you know, did haven't gone that route yet. Maybe one day I'll be asking for it, but not today. Uh, so anyways, Justin, he signs with Philly. Uh, right as they begin to tank and they end up not signing him so he plays the next season in Hungary and then okay so then the story starts to get good for Justin so that's year one two so three years outside of college he's been trying to make his dream work right trying to get on the NBA squad um he he makes it to the summer league he gets signed by Philly for a little bit but he has not really played at all and then 2014-15, uh, so three years after he joins the Summer League for the Golden State Warriors, he makes the team That's that fall. So he's part of the 2014-15 Warriors, and that's also the team that ended up winning the NBA championship. So he finally made it into the league, and he wins a championship with the Warriors in 2014-2015. So when you're looking at Justin Holiday, you you have to call him like, yeah, he hasn't had the, the most impressive NBA career thus far, uh, but he is an NBA champion. And I believe he is going to be the oldest guy on the team next season. Um, so it's nice that the Pacers brought in guys like because I mentioned, you know, Jeremy Lamb, he won a championship in at UConn. Um, Justin Holiday won a championship with Golden State. So. I don't know what that really means. I guess it just means that, you know, we've got guys who have who have uh, experience in the finals a little bit. Yeah, so I did see that he had a nickname, which I'm not sure uh, if, if anyone actually calls him this. According to Basketball Reference, you can refer to Justin Holiday as the fireman. Um, he's 6'6", I mentioned. His, his strengths, defensive prowess. I mean, the guy can the guy gets after it on the defensive end using the size, and also he's a ninety percent free throw shooter. Well, bam! That's one of the things that pissed me off the most about the Pacers last year was all those free throws that we missed. It felt like uh, guys like like Victor had a tough year at the line. Thad had a tough year. Uh, I thought Miles kind of had a tough tough year. Same with Domas. Like guys that I think had the potential to be like eighty percent free throw shooters shooting like 65%. I just felt like that's how the whole the whole season was last year for the Pacers. Um, they ended up, I looked this up, they were the 22nd worst free throw shooting team in the league last year. And it's crazy because we had, we have good shooters. We had good shooters, um, but that's one good thing when you look at the guys that they brought in this season, a lot of really, really, really good free throw shooters. Um, and Justin Holiday is one of those with uh, last year shooting 90%. I think... Uh, what else about Holiday? It's just cool, right? Like he he had a tough start to his career. He he made it in he made it in the league finally with the Warriors, wins a championship, and then he's just bounced around the league 
from that point on. He, he played for the Hawks, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Grizzlies, and now the Pacers. Um, so when you look at his, his stats throughout the, the past couple seasons that he's been in the NBA, he has earned more minutes uh, as, as, the, as the years have gone by, but he's also played for some really bad teams who were not even really trying to win basketball games. So it's hard to look at Holiday's minutes and necessarily say, oh, well, we're going to get, you know, uh, 12 points a game from this guy because that's what he averaged with the Grizzlies. It's just tough. It, it's, it's, a different, it's a different level of basketball. However, it is encouraging to know that, you know, he has stuck around in the league and uh, did and finally broke through. And he's got good size. He's a good, he's a good three-point shooter. He he uh, defend. I think he's a he's a really good three and D type player, like a bench, a bench three and D player. He gives depth to the small forward position. Uh, also could play some two guard. Um, last year, you know, he was on the Bulls and the Grizzlies. I mentioned that both teams are trying to lose. Uh, highlight probably from last season was he got he had a game where he scored thirty points. He averaged one and a half steals a game. Uh, it'll just be interesting to me to see how many minutes uh, Justin Holiday gets ends up getting, and and really uh, all the Pacer players uh, outside of the starters. You know, I mean, does Justin Holiday play in front of McDermott now, or is McDermott, you know, going to get in the game before Holiday? Does uh, does is is Sumner going to not get any minutes? What about Aaron Holiday? Um, but it's that's a good problem to have, maybe. You know, too much depth, and especially it's good to have Justin Holiday uh, with the the size and the depth at wing. So I'm excited about that signing. Going to be cool. We got uh, we got a team that has some brothers on it now, and so we got some interesting uh, locker room dynamics for the this Pacer squad. A lot of a lot of closeness. Um, oh, that was another thing I didn't mention about uh, Jeremy Lamb, but. Jeremy Lamb and Malcolm Brogdon were like, they were either teammates in AAU or they played against each other a lot in AAU, like around the Atlanta area. Probably that. I think it was that they played against each other a lot. So there's a lot of familiarity on this team. Um, I say, you know, so I'm excited about Holiday too, man. So let's see, the last guy that I'm going to talk about uh, that the Pacers signed was, and I don't even know if this has been made official yet, but it was TJ McConnell. So the third TJ now on the Pacers squad. Similarly to Justin Holiday, uh, TJ McConnell uh, made his way into the NBA the hard way, not, and it was because he was undrafted. Another, another guy who just turned 27 years old, TJ McConnell, nicknamed the Floor General. Uh, McClutchel and Rocco. I don't know about either of those. Um, TJ is what I would, um, someone very close to me, when describing a basketball player, would call him a peckernat. And that is because TJ is one of those guys who is going to be picking you up full court. He's going to be trying to make your life a living hell when he's guarding you. He is six foot two. He probably can't touch the rim. Um, 
but he is the he is that he's a prime candidate for Mr. Hustle next year. Let's put it that way. He is pesty. Um, I haven't watched a ton of TJ McConnell, um, but he 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 so he he spent the last four seasons with the Philadelphia 76ers and the past two seasons, right? Philly's been good. And uh, TJ's played in a lot of playoff games over the past two seasons. Um, he was an interesting signing for for me to, that the Pacers made because I don't exactly know where you're putting TJ here. Are you putting TJ in front of Aaron Holiday or are you just putting TJ to kind of back up Aaron Holiday? I, I don't know about this one. But I like having TJ on this squad because people say he's a really, really, really good teammate. And he is a player who embodies what the Pacers, he's a culture guy, really, because you're looking for someone who's tough. Well, that's TJ McConnell. That's basically the only reason why he's in the league. Because he's a six foot two white dude who can't shoot threes and he has a place in the league. Um, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get with the Pacers. Like, I'm fascinated to see what kind of role he has. But I do anticipate um, him being a crowd favorite in Indiana. Um, really, I, and Goga, I think, is going to be a lot of people are going to like Goga. And same with Brogdon. Uh, just, this is going to be a fun team to root for. Um, but with TJ, yeah, I think his biggest strengths are the fact that he's tough as nails. He gets up in people's grills. He's a very smart player as far as like um, he uh, like take he takes advantage of other when other players have uh, weak like moments of uh, uh, like let down during a game. So like if you're a point guard and you um, just have, have like like let's say the Pacers are shooting a free throw and they make the free throw. Philly takes the ball out of bounds or, you know, the other team takes the ball out of bounds. Well, TJ will kind of stick around. And, and try to pick off the inbound pass. He'll, he'll do stuff like that. And um, I like that in a player, especially from a bench player. Like I get it if you're a starter and you don't want to waste all your energy. But if you're a guy coming in and you're giving us 12 minutes a game, pick up, like, if you if that's your role, pick him up full, full court, man. So I love that. Uh, and I hope that TJ brings that. And I think that he's going to be um, kind of like, like turbo for this team, like just a, a shot of toughness and a shot of camaraderie and a shot of grit and um, just kind of like, um, like, a, like a willingness to go, I don't know, almost like a, like a cross country runner, you know, like when you, when you're, you got to give it everything you've got, kind of that toughness. I think that's exactly what TJ McConnell is going to bring. And he's going to be bringing that in hopefully practice too. You know, and making I just think that this this is going to be a very very competitive season. I would just I would be fascinated because I just can't imagine that TJ McConnell is going to be okay. You know, just being that like fourth guard who never plays. I think he's probably going to want to try to get minutes. And if you're Aaron Holiday or if you're Edmund Sumner, um, specifically Edmund Edmund Sumner, it's like you thought you were going to get minutes this year because the Pacers signed you to the signed your or picked up your contract but they bring in tj mcconnell it's like well you're gonna have to outplay tj for it and i like having a guy like that on the team because that just means that sumner and and aaron holiday are gonna have to they're really gonna have to earn their minutes uh so 
I think that'll be interesting to see uh, what, what happens with TJ McConnell. Um, so let's take a look last season with TJ. He was with the 76ers. He played in 76 games and averaged 20 minutes a game. He's solid at assists and steals. He played in nine of their 12 playoff games. So he was a contributor for sure on the Philly, on, on the 76ers last year. Not, not a main guy, um, but, but definitely a contributor. And so for someone that potentially could be our 10th, 11th, 12th man, uh, he's pretty darn solid. And he's going to be tough to keep on the bench all season. So for next year, to me, that's the that's the biggest the biggest question. What will what will McConnell's role be on the Pacers? Is he going to play in front of the young guys, um, or will there be a combination of both? Like maybe all maybe everyone will play, and I think he could be that. You know, he could be a potential Mister Hustle candidate for next year's Boom Babies. I think the day or last on last episode, I went over T.J. Warren. And I also did Goga. So I think I got all the new guys covered. Um, well, I, I will be, let me, let me, there were a couple of new guys, like the Pacers signed another guy who was undrafted. So he was a, he's a rookie this year, Brian Bowen. He played in the summer league. Um, and then they signed another guy. He's a big man, seven footer from UConn. Um, but sounds like he's probably just going to, maybe be on the G League team. Probably both these guys, Brian Bowen and this other dude. Um, so the Pacers roster then is pretty much set, you know. Um, I definitely look forward to thinking about this some more and, and starting to think about, um, I don't know, like how many games I think they can win. Um, what's, what, what's the ceiling look like for each of these players next season? And yeah, so real quick, just to recap with Summer League, the Pacers kind of stunk it up. They went one and three. Um, Aaron Holiday played a lot, shot a lot, missed a lot of shots. Uh, Alizé Johnson played a lot, got a lot of rebounds and points. Uh, he was probably the bright spot. Also, Brian Bowen, the guy I mentioned who's most likely going to be on the G League, um, he had a pretty good Summer League. Um, unfortunately, Goga didn't get to play because they couldn't, they were still working out like his visa, his work visa to be, to be in the States. Um, luckily they did get that taken care of, but he didn't get to sit, see any action, um, in the summer league. So we're gonna have to wait till preseason to see Goga in action, uh, which is a big time bummer. I will, I want to see this dude ball. Um, but it, it'll be here before we know it. I mean, it's already, you know. July 21st. So preseason probably starts less than two months for sure. Um, be here before we know it. So, all right, that's about, let's see, I'm going to do a couple more things here. So next season, this is what I'm thinking at, at on July 21st. After all the player movement has settled, I'm looking at the Pacers. I'm saying this is a really deep roster. I'd be very surprised to see another team in the league with as many quality players as the Pacers have. Um, so for me, I'm thinking next year, how are these shots going to get distributed? And also how are these minutes going to be distributed? What, what are the rotations for the Pacers next year? Um, where do guys like TJ McConnell, Edmund Subner, Alizé Johnson, TJ Leaf, Aaron Holiday, 
where do the uh, Doug McDermott, where do these guys on the back end of the roster, how does that shuffle around? How, how do we play those players? Um, how do we continue to, because to me, all those guys seems like they need minutes, um, which I guess it's a, it's a good problem to have when you have players that, you know, you'd like to see play, but there, there are no minutes available. It's not like last year where it's like, I never really wanted to see Kyle Quinn come in the game, right? Or actually, I mean, really, uh, anyways. So I'm just interested to see how that all plays out. Um, and then I mentioned, you know, this team, it's like, all right, they're going to have to establish a new identity. How much of that identity is going to be on the defensive end? And how much of that will be, you know, what Dan Burke wants on, on defense? So... If the Pacers, are st if they stay committed to defense, I really like their ch chances. I think that should be one of their, their calling cards um, because, frankly, not a lot of – that's what sets you apart from other teams. And a lot of, a lot of teams will, will be good offensively but not take, the, um, take advantage of the opportunity you have on the defensive end to, to uh, not let the other team score. So next year we should have – improve free throw shooting for sure you know we were 22nd in the nba last year at 75 percent. i would expect to see us at 80 percent at least and be a top five free throw shooting team and here's why i think when you have a team that is struggling from the free throw line it impacts all the whole team it's not just one guy struggling from the free throw line it's like it's kind of contagious well next year the pacers are going to have these guys who are just lights out free throw shooters like Brogdon, like TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb. And I think what that's going to do is it's going to, it's going to change the culture around free throws, <laughs> the culture around free throws. Yeah. It's a real thing. Um, and I just think Oladipo is going to find his shooting touch again. And then Miles Turner is going to be improved from free throw line and also Sabonis. You just wait. That's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting an uptick in free throw percentage next year for the Pacers. And last thought is, all right, so you know in the Eastern Conference, you have, you have Philadelphia with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Al Horford and Tobias Harris. You have the Boston Celtics, Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, actually, oh, Gordon Hayward. You have the Bucks, Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton, Lopez. Um, where do you put this, the Pacers? You have Brooklyn, who signed Kyrie and Durant. Now, Durant's going to be out next season, but they were a good team last year, and basically you just substitute Kyrie in for um, uh, D'Angelo Russell, which is why I don't think Brooklyn's going to be that great, because I think Kyrie's going to have... Uh, I think they're, they're going to have a hard time being that same type of team that they were last year. But I say that to say this. I think the Pacers are a first-class Eastern Conference team. I think they belong in the discussion uh, with Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee. And I think that they are, well, it, it, they have to play the games and prove it. But um, I think that there's no way that they finish behind Brooklyn, Toronto, or Miami. I just think that they're going to be too good. The only problem is going to be this. If the Pacers start off really slow and have a really hard time finding that identity, which I could definitely see happening um, because these are guys that haven't played together. Um, this is going to be Turner and 
Sabonis playing without Thad and Bogey and obviously still no Vic. Uh, how's TJ Warren fitting in? I mean, there's just going to be a lot of unknown stuff, which is one thing that I really appreciate about Coach McMillan, who was selected to be on the USA basketball team coaching staff, but declined because he, he knew how much of how much change there was going to be on this on this team um, compared to last year's team. So it's good that that McMillan's staying focused on the Pacers and not uh, necessarily what makes him look like, uh, you know, a, a really good coach, which would be representing the USA team. I think this squad's ready to achieve overachieve again. You know, they did it two years ago when after the Paul George trade and Oladipo and Sabonis came in and Oladipo just carried this team to the to the playoffs and and they took Cleveland to seven. Uh, Victor, you know, just exploded onto the scene, wins the NBA's most improved player of the year. Uh, he makes an all NBA team Then going into next season. I mean, the Pacers were humming, right? They were third in the Eastern conference ahead of, uh, they were there like going into last season. There, there was talks about four teams. It was Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. And no one talked about the Pacers. Well, before Vic went down in January, the Pacers were sitting in third place. They were ahead of two of those teams. And when Vic went down, you know, everybody just thought that the Pacers would fold and they did not. They over, they continued to overachieve and, and they ended up almost holding on to the home court advantage in the playoffs, um, which had they, I thought, you know, well, that's a stupid comment. Like, I don't know. Not, I don't know if they would have won any games if they had home court advantage, but I just, you know, they continued to overachieve. Um, and that's why that's why we love the Pacers, right? That's that's why we love them. And next year is going to be no different, folks. It's going to be a uh, season to remember. And what are some other cliches I could say here? It that's all, folks. That's all. Um, I think it is though, because I have uh, maybe ran myself out of words. So thanks for checking out the pod. Thanks for letting uh, me just kind of or not letting me. I guess just thanks for listening to me. Uh, ramble about the the Pacers, and we'll go from there. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you later. Peace.